Good vibes and acts of kindness, everybody. Thanks for joining us here on Rift Rewind, our ESPN Esports League of Legends program. We have a whole ton to get to. The playoffs are set. We have a lot of upsets. We have a lot as expected, but we have a lot to dive into. The first thing I want to mention is that Trivia is back this week. After Rift Rewind, in fact, immediately following Rift Rewind, you can join us on Twitch no matter where you're watching us or listening to us right now. If it is on Tuesday live that you happen to be catching us right now, join us on Twitch immediately following Rift Rewind, which is usually somewhere in between the hour to hour and a half mark, somewhere between 7.30 to 8 Eastern, and we will have trivia. You can join along. And uh, this week we have we're back to the two trivia format. Uh, the second one, Tyler, is going to be the all Tyler Erzberger quiz. Yes, I actually think it's one quiz this week. Argo. There's only one quiz this week. Oh, is it? My quiz is the the ultimate. There's no there's no back to back. There, the only quiz that matters this week is mine. So okay. So if you know anything about <laughs> Tyler, <laughs> or if you yeah. want to troll him, feel free. What's my favorite color? <laughs> what is it? It's going to be other. I mean, I can't lose because even if like, I know all the answers, so I, I literally can't lose on it. It's impossible. Yes. You definitely also know the answer to the question, is your passport up to date? Which leads us to our first news story. Trick unable to qualify or play for Worlds if SK qualify. Uh, Jacob Wolf wrote a story about this at ESPN.com slash esports. Emily Rand and Jacob as well did a video at YouTube.com slash ESPN esports. What does the passport have to do, Jacob? Why, why is Trick in this situation in the first place? So to be able to apply for a visa in China, as I understand, especially with the additional scrutiny right now that exists because of COVID-19 being such an issue for Western applicants, uh, you have to have six months or more left on your passport to be able to apply for that visa. Uh, Trick does not. Um, if you're familiar with military conscription in South Korea, uh, every single year you get a deferment, meaning every single year you dodge the military uh, to do something else. And in Trick's case, in many other case, play professional esports. Um, you get one year extension, a one year extension on your uh, passport, South Korean passport. Um, and so he has less than a year left on his South Korean esport or South Korean passport, and is ineligible to plot, to apply for a Chinese visa. Riot in mid July reached out to all of the LEC teams and said, "Please submit your passport info to us uh, by the end of July, as we're going to start working through the early processes of getting uh, people approved in, in the event that you qualify for playoffs." Obviously, SK did qualify for playoffs, um, and. When SK submitted it in closer to late July, towards the end of the deadline, Riot went, oh, he doesn't have less than six, or he has less than six months left on his passport, so he will not be eligible. They couldn't have grant him any sort of extension uh, because um, deadlines are so strict right now because of COVID-19 and, and the application process uh, being much more difficult to get into China when it's already pretty difficult to get into China in the first place. Um, it's even more difficult right now, given the circumstances of the global pandemic. Uh, and so if uh, SK makes it to Worlds here in the next couple of weeks, they start playing next Friday, a week from this upcoming Friday. Um, if they make it into uh, make it to Worlds, they're going to be using Kaney, who is a amateur German jungler who has not even played a, a LEC game, much less uh, a World Stage game. So uh, lots of stuff to uh, talk about around Trick. Um, but this is really bad for SK because their star player, if they make it to Worlds, may not be able to go with them. 
So my first question here is how did this, how do we get to this point? Who, how did this slip through the cracks? Who, who are we blaming here? I think there's a few different people to blame. I mean, the first comes to mind to me is SK gaming. Like they should probably be on top of this from a management perspective, like checking this type of info, knowing that there's global pandemic, knowing that uh, COVID-19 is such an issue and how difficult it is. Like I said, it's difficult to get a visa into China in the first place, let alone mm -hmm. given the sort of abnormal circumstances that we're dealing with right now. Um, so it's partly on SK. I think it's partly on Trick. I know, I, as I understand, he was pretty upset about what happened. Um, but, like, he's an older player. The dude's 25 years old. And, and, like, he's been doing this for long enough that, like, I think he has to take some responsibility to check his check his own passport understand his own situation particularly relative to conscription like this is your life right like at some point he's gonna have to go back to south korea and and take a two-year break to to serve in military service like if yeah. i was a south korean esports player i'd probably be pretty on top of that i know many who are actually um so i think it's partially on his uh his bad too um so i think equal equal blame here um and you know sadly like Riot's in a real tough pickle. Last week, I, I got to hear a call that they had about the Neom thing. And during that call, they were talking about the importance of working with governments. And Nico Laurent, the CEO of Riot, said their relationship with the Chinese government is the only reason Worlds is happening is because uh, the Chinese government is, is working with them to make it happen um, and get everybody into the country. And so, like, if you're Riot, you can't have any exceptions here. And I don't think he'll be the last one either. I think that there will be other players who will be affected in some sort of way around visa issues, and we'll see other people ineligible for Worlds also. Emily, what does this mean for SK? They make Worlds, Trick can't play. What does this mean? Um, it's actually pretty bad. And while I don't think um, I don't think Trick has been like this superstar, like, you know, mechanical god, etc. Like, that's not really what we think of when we think of Trick. Um, I think the the first name that comes to mind when uh, people think about SK is actually probably Crownshot because he's had like a, an insane, like absolutely career year. Um, however, I think what what Trick does, and this is something that uh, more than a few of his teams have said, and also like uh, Crownshot, I believe himself said in one of his uh, desk interviews on the LEC broadcast is that trick is kind of the backbone of this team, right? Like, yes, you see him sometimes make these mechanical errors, but when he's on a champion pick that he's super comfortable on, he's really good at facilitating their game. Um, and he, he provides a lot of like stability in that regard, uh, which is why he's, you know, he's not a jungler is going to like light the world on fire. Like we're not looking at him like we do shadow, for example. Right. Um, but he's, he's kind of the backbone of this team and, and Kenny, I haven't really watched him play. Honestly, the team, the, the player that has uh, apparently stood out on his former roster it was Diplex, their their mid laner. Um, so I don't know how how good their mid mid jungle synergy is. If if Kenny was doing a lot for for Diplex, or if Diplex was just that good. And and but this is like a really rough situation to shove a rookie into. You know, like we've seen this with. Um, I commented on something similar like this when Ning wasn't performing well and they were shoving Loyan into this situation with IG last year, right? Where it was like, okay, you haven't really played, but here's playoffs, here's worlds. Um, that's a tough position to put any player into, specifically the jungle position and specifically with how much trick seems to mean to this team in terms of their coordination and their synergy. So it's going to be, it's going to be really tough for SK and it sucks because 
I think uh, SK have been like, I hate the word underrated, but I feel like people kind of gloss over their achievements this split uh, outside of talking about how insane Crown Shot, Crown Shot has been. Um, and and I think like while they're not on my like necessarily, necessarily like my favorites list to make worlds, I think they are a good team and there there is a chance that they will make worlds. Uh, and if they do, that's a really rough situation for them. Tyler Chat says he won't be able to play set jungle in world, sad face. Yeah, his sad face. You know, Arden, as a low-key North American reporter, you know, I'm I'm <laughs> biased. When it comes to international League of Legends, I just want to have good games, Arden. I don't care if North America does well, I don't care if Europe does well. It's just a but this reminds me back of 2014 when SK made it to Worlds and they had their jungle suspended. And it's one of the reasons why TSM made it out of groups in the first place, because their jungler wasn't there to, you know, kind of lead them the second half of the group stage. So anything that could give in a little bit of advantage, you know, as an unbiased partisan and all of this, I feel bad for Trick about it, feel bad for SK. But you know, if if things go a little bit away of North America, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna, you know, shed a tear. You should have kept on your passport. Everyone should. I still have a few years left on my passport. I've been to China before. <laughs> I'm good. I could go to China, maybe. I mean, visas are very hard right now, but it, it sucks for Trick and it sucks for SK overall. But I think in the long run, I, I do think he's the backbone of the team, but I do think this team dies and lives by ground shot. So as long as he still is eligible and he still has a heartbeat and his passport can still get him to Worlds if they make it, they still have a decent shot to make it out of the groups. I, not not the best shot. I don't think SK is is hilariously better than even some of like the third best North American team. But it's it's a setback. But you know you have to. It's esports. The question is how does this happen? It's esports. Esports teams happen all this time. If I could tell you, regale you the stories of esports teams missing deadlines and 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 appointments and you know, missing media days because they forgot to switch the clock to the right time zone. It's like it happens all the time. We just don't hear it to this magnitude. And I think in this regard, though, that like this world is going to be really different. So I don't think that I don't think that Riot, uh, as far as I know, is going to be sponsoring any or at least writing any letters or recommendation for press who are applying for visas, which is which like happened super, last time. Uh, which is super odd. Yeah, it, it did happen last time. It was part of how it was a little bit easier to get into the country, right? Yep. Like they they're good mm -hmm. at supporting media. So like, there's a world where nothing but Chinese media existed. This world also, right? And that's like, there's this entire world is going to be so different. There's probably going to be players missing. Obviously, I think there will be. Even if SK doesn't qualify, and it, this story really didn't matter in the end anyway. Like. If that's the case and somebody else qualifies in the top four, look, they're only two away, by the way. Like, that's the thing. It's six teams qualifying for four spots. Like, this is not, like, a, a slim reality. It is not a slim reality. Yeah. It's very possible. Um, but nonetheless, like, this is going to be a really different world. And, and we're not going to have as much coverage. Like, Riot's going to have to figure out other ways to, like, get... You know, one thing I always like criticize a little bit, and and some of the interviewers at Riot are good at this, and others are not, is like the Riot broadcast sometimes feels really vanilla, and that's why I like some of the third party media because they're good at kind of digging and and sort of like asking more difficult questions and quizzing players in ways that that you know a journalist does in a way that a broadcaster doesn't. And so, yeah, to me, like this is going to be super different. The the consumption of this world is going to be very game oriented for sure. Um, but the level of access in all regards and the players that will be there, it's going to look very different than any world championship I think we've ever seen. 
I was going to say we can check back with Tyler when the first NA player <laughs> qualified for oh, Worlds gets their visa. I'm on bias. I mean, you, know, as... you know it's going to happen, though. You know at least oh. one NA team is going to be. It, it, I mean, it, that, like, that's the big thing for me is I think actually multiple teams in the West will be affected by this. If this happens to Blabber or Bjergsen, I might have to I might have to write a strongly worded letter to someone somewhere. If as long as it's strongly worded, though. Okay? Strongly as long worded. as there is some colorful words that you add in there, yeah. please. Please get Bit Blabber to Shanghai. We don't have much of a chance to begin with. We need this man. <laughs> we, need the, we need this little fish man in Shanghai, please. <laughs> fish man. Well, listen, Tyler, wow. as it pertains to junglers, as you mentioned, we're not really going to talk about evil geniuses much this program, but who we are going to talk about as it pertains to junglers is Shalka. Which brings us to our next point. Shalka, the miracle run. May I ask the lovely Deus here, who was the only League of Legends analyst in the entire world to perfectly predict the LEC playoffs? Would you like to... Here's a trivia before the trivia question for you. Dare oh, you answer the question, Tyler. Take a, take a guess. Quick shot. Quick shot is incorrect. Oh. Okay. Quickshot did not get all six LEC teams. He may have. I'm not going to fact check that. Don't fact check me, Chad. Wow. But in my question, the answer is incorrect. Take another guess. Jacob, got any guesses? Any guesses at all? Kyle Edwards. There you go. Kyle Edwards is incorrect. Kyle Edwards is dead and buried. Emily, any guesses? <laughs> so I guarantee you that you were not the only one. But you were the only one on the show. So congratulations. I I was rooting for it, but I did not believe. Listen, sometimes you got to put your money where your mouth is. And in this situation, you have to believe. And listen, there are more important things to focus on here. Okay. And I understand that completely. This can't be a selfish thing. We have to focus on the fact that I was right. And thank goodness for that. Because finally, I am now promoted, according to the League of Legends Illuminati. I am now an esteemed, in all capital letters, League of Legends analyst. I have finally arrived. I am now a made man in the League of Legends community. You can now accept me into the fold. This random boomer host, that does the most, is finally entrenched, Tyler, in the League of Legends community, and this, thanks to my fellow Turk, the one that parted the heavens above, that looked down on a frail Shalka in the middle of the split and said, I shall save you, Tyler. I will save you. I will bring you from the depths of hell and bring you to the improbable postseason. Yes, I will change form from regular old Berk getting Turkish coffee after scrims to God Gilius, the one that shall smite thee, the one that shall steal the Nasher. And I will drag you. I will backpack you all into the postseason. And that's exactly what happened. He turned Shalka Nulvir into Shalka No Fear. And it was beautiful, Tyler. I shed a tear. I, I think Abadage really well, too. You should give a shout out to Abadage. Is Abadage an MVP candidate, Tyler? 
I mean, you why can make are you taking? I mean, why are you taking <laughs> Shine away from God Gilius in this sacred moment? I mean, uh, well. you're right. He is pretty good. I would argue that actually turned it off quite well. I, I do think Gilius is obviously an MVP candidate. We're getting into who should be the MVP candidate. ESPN does have a. Yep. How you're kind of are depending on this live here on this podcast, and for all you to see if decide who are we. Yeah, VP. So, Gilius, I think, is uh, the first person we kind of have to talk about, right? Like, he came in. When we talk about most valuable player award, you have to look at most valuable. He's the only player to come in and kind of direct the ship the different way. He, it's He's the easiest to point out and say he changed the entire team, right? He came in. The team was floundering. Now they're in playoffs after a miracle run. It, when you look at the, the words most valuable, I think Gilius has to be number one, just purely in that you know category. But MVP, we can take in so many different ways. So I do think Gilius should be up for us, I would say, top three, top four candidates. So why don't we why don't we make that case, Emily? Why don't we start making cases? Uh, we do yeah. have a vote. So we have a vote in the LCS and in the LEC, right? And we, we, we will not divulge who we will vote for, but we will make a case for the different candidates, Emily. So why, why don't we why don't we start that conversation now? Who, in all seriousness, who should we be considering? So I was actually going to make a point at how it wasn't just Gilius that's, that w- made the change on that roster. They also uh, they also brought in Neon and Dreams over uh, Inax, Lorox, and uh, Nukes. So I feel like that's something that goes incredibly underrated because Gilius is such a strong personality. Um, I'm not trying to take anything away from him because I think, again, like last week I said, he was a big part of like why this team was so successful. And he brought, I think he brought a lot of like necessary confidence for them. But I did want to give a shout out to that. Um, that being said, my MVP, <laughs> my MVP vote actually goes to Caps. Uh, so that is, uh, I, I mean, I think it's close. I think you can make a lot of cases for a lot of players uh, in the LEC actually. Um on multiple top teams. The reason why I picked Caps is because I think during, uh, like, prior to G2's, like, six-game uh, win streak that they went on towards the end of the split, um, which is is kind of underrated, I think, because uh, we're talking so much about the Schalke and No Fear uh, run, right, which is insane. Um, but it kind of overshadows the fact that G2 uh, – won six games in a row after looking pretty rough for most of the split. Um, I think Caps was the constant on this team, to be honest. I think he provided the most stability, both when the team was struggling and then additionally uh, when the team, uh, you know, kind of got their stuff together. He was always there uh, performing super, super well. And he also, um, one thing I like to look at statistically with with mids is uh, – you know, how much, uh, resor- how many resources they get, uh, especially later on in the game when comparison to other mids or other people on their team. And Caps actually does so much with comparatively little to some of his LEC compatriots. Like when we think of Larson, um, we think of Melita as, as these uh, players that get a lot of resources from their team. I'm not trying to take away anything from their performances either. It, it says more about like how the team plays sometimes. But I also, I, I think Caps does so much for his team. And sometimes he's given fewer resources than a lot of his compatriots. And, and on top of that, you know, his, uh, his consistency through this split, I think, was really, really necessary for G2, especially since... Um, you know, one of their most consistent players in perks 
and kind of the heart of this team was struggling a bit um, for mm-hmm. obvious reasons. Like I'm not trying to, I'm not like slamming perks or anything that like, that is not the point here, but like when, um, you know, when he was struggling, like I think caps really stepped up and provided that necessary stability. That is why he, he uh, would get my LEC MVP vote ultimately. There are some other names, Jacob, who you got? I mean, I think you have to look at both shadow and Carzy. Like I'm the mad lions Homer of this podcast. I, I know that, uh, I know that Ibley joins me in on that. I would say Shadow. I think Karzy, Karzy's expectation was super high coming into this season. If you remember, people were like super big on Karzy's uh, play and sort of what he would bring coming from the ERLs and the LEC. But Shadow just had like a phenomenal year all around, particularly uh, this this summer split. Um, really incredible for him i i've been incredibly impressed he has uh he has definitely put in the effort more than i think most people and he's like played against the best of them like yonkos right like yonkos used to be in like every single mvp conversation i feel like shadow is now the best jungler in the lec or at least he was this summer split and uh that does not come lightly lec's got a very competitive jungle uh pool and so for me like i i gotta give a hat tip to shadow on that in that regard do you think that, in all seriousness now, putting the whole gimmick aside here, the Gilius story is so strong, right? Yeah, the whole narrative. miracle run, the narrative is so strong. That's I all wonder... MVPs. That's like that sports MVPs in a nutshell. I think it, well, the like, narrative yeah, is they're, so they're, important. They're, this goes back to what we were talking about last split, right, Tyler? <laughs> is it the best player overall, or is it the most important player to their respective team? Because I don't think <laughs> anyone would argue that Gilius... Uh, falls in the latter category for this particular split based on their miracle run and how improbable it was for them to make the postseason. It's, but you could also argue that Caps was the better player overall. Yeah, it's definitely a mixture of it. Ha- it goes with storyline, narrative is super strong, uh, especially when you've won before. Caps, you know, he's always been one of the best players, so it's very hard for him to win again and to get another award when he has to be better than his former self like when you've won before when you've won championships before it's hard to give you another one yurks has been one of the few players in the league to win multiple mvps look at faker you would think oh yeah faker's won nine championships he must have at least five mvps he's won two he's won two and he hasn't won one in like five years so lck mvp voting it's kind of is it's rough it's rough it's weird (laughs) but still i think you don't see a lot of multi mvps i think bjergsen by far has the most. So he might win another one this split because you, you really have to shine if you're going to win MVP after MVP. And if we look at this in traditional sports, right? Like LeBron James should have far more MVPs than he actually has, but there's a thing called voter fatigue and people look for those storylines, those juicy little storylines where they say, oh man, this player, you know, hasn't won before. He dragged his team to the playoffs. He had put up big numbers. And then you kind of get excited about that player because it's like you're awarding something to someone who hasn't done it before. If Bjergsen wins his fifth MVP, it feels less special than you give it to, you know, a player who's never won before for the first time, right? It's just it, – and and while that shouldn't be in the voters' head, while that shouldn't be a factor overall, it always is. It always is when it's in the back of your head thinking, hey, this is more fun. This is a better story. This this narrative is driving me towards this. So Gilius definitely has the narrative. I think Caps – I, is he the best player in the LEC right now? I think it's it, if I was building around one player, I'd probably pick Caps or Perks. I do think Perks personally was a better mid laner in the spring than 
Cavs from the summer. They're very comparable when it comes to statistics. But obviously, G2 as a team played better in the spring, so it's easier to look better when your team is, you know, coordinating. It's it's difficult. Like, you rogue the number one team, right? Where you're like, okay, usually when it goes to MVP, you always look at the number one team, top team, who's the best player on the top team. And rogue is is difficult because there's quite a few players you can look at and be like, inspired, Larson, I mean, even Vander to an extent, or Hansama, like, they're a very coordinated team that's really good at team fighting. So it's Difficult to be like Larson. You're better than Caps. You're you have a better story than Gillius. Here's your award. When a lot of rogue success comes down to that team fighting, and it's more of a team effort. So, and then you have Mad Lions, who have all these mechanical gods who pop off all the time. So it's much easier to be like Kaiser or Tarzi or Shadow. So this is probably the most open the LEC MVP has been in a long, long time. And I do think that the Gillius narrative might ride out over all these other players. Does it does it say something that this is the first time in like ten minutes that we've been discussing this that we're even mentioning rogue players? Yeah, yeah. I think it's, it says so. It says so much about their playstyle. I think, yeah. and also like, uh, so I want to give a shout out to Inspired. Um, and and I think one of the narrative reasons why people might not be considering him as much is because of the smites uh, or the. What I call LPL Baron because uh, Barons are pretty frequently stolen by Syndras in in, in LPL because apparently they they also don't know how to smite. But um, like like jokes aside, I do actually think that's affected. Um, on top of the fact that uh, on top of the fact that we've already uh, mentioned Rogue's playstyle specifically, um, but I think that has also affected people's view of Inspired, and it kind of stinks because I think he's a huge part of why this team has been so successful. Um, and then also, yeah, shoutouts to Vander because he's having a career year. Like he, I wouldn't consider him for my like overall MVP, but, but MVP. man. He is like, he's been insane this year and like very quietly insane too. Like yep. I don't see a lot of people talking about it, but he's had a great year or a great, a great split, but like overall great year, but like this split specifically, he's been on fire. Okay. Really quick around the horn, everything you know about how MVPs are selected, factor in everything Tyler laid out, factor in the storyline, factor in the stats, factor in uh, the newness of the MVP candidates, whatever. Give me a name that you would predict. I'm not saying this is going to be our ESPN esports submission, but I'm saying you personally, your prediction based on all the factors and how you rank them. All of us except Jacob, because Jacob is the one who's officially, his name will be on the list. Okay. He's the one who's making the final decision. So me, Emily, and Arda, we're picking our MVP. And to try to sway Jacob. We can sway. We can try to sway, but right. ultimately he's going <laughs> to decide how he decides. I... At the, this is so tough. There's so many names. I think I'm a narrative guy. I love writing the big features. I love the narrative. <laughs> it. I would go Gilius. I kind of just have to. It's such a beautiful story. He's been memed on so so much, and it's it's just how everyone's always made fun of him. Like, oh man, Gilius is on a team. Oh man, I can't wait till Kiki's replaces him halfway through the split. Oh man, look at this goofball calling himself God Gilius. Oh man, he had, oh, this guy sucks. This guy is, you know, egotistical, blah, blah, blah. He's been dunked on so hard year after year and after year. A lot of players would have quit. I think a lot of players would have gotten dunked on so many times and being replaced so many times that that ego would have dropped. That confidence would have dropped. But Gilius, he said, no, I'm going to continue being who I am. He kept that ego. He kept that confidence. He kept that swagger from so many years. And now finally he gets on this team and 
he goes nuclear and he has that miracle run as this, you know, the God Gilius is bigger than life character. And I'm not saying he is the sole reason why well, Schalke is going to the playoffs. They obviously made a lot of changes. Abadaja, as I mentioned, has played phenomenally, but I would vote Gillian. Mm-hmm. I just think, how awesome would it be? Even like that sucks the most that we're in a COVID situation because how awesome would it be to see Gillius get the LEC trophy in front of like 15,000 fans in, you know, Bucharest or ever where the finals were supposed to be this split. Like, that's just awesome. I would vote Gilius because I think it's too close to call between so many players. I would give it to him. Emily. Uh, like I said before, my vote is for Caps. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think he has done a lot for this team. In fact, even more so than what I would consider during his other MVP seasons because of G2's troubles. Um, and you know, when you're, when the heart of your team, like when the backbone of your team is struggling, someone else has to step up. Um, and I think Cap stepped up, uh, both like in, in his play, but also, you know, uh, like on the team itself and, and kind of helped, uh, provide necessary stability. And that's actually super important as a mid laner, um, Mm -hmm. going against the, like, Caps, craps narrative, I guess, uh, proving, proving himself, uh, more stable than than you know the, like that joke so um i mean that that is what i would that is who i would vote for i think the field is very very open yeah i think caps is a fantastic pick uh I, i'm gonna go gilius only because of everything tyler said but also jacob can you just help my fellow turkish brother out can you just do it for me if nothing else do it for your boy you and I, I were feel buzzed. like this is not the first time Please, the artist. If you don't be mind, arguing. if you don't mind, can you can you just help him out? Good old Berk, Berk Demir, I think he deserves it. What do you think, man? Come on, come on, Jacob, come on. Put your power to good use, my friend. Come on. I I mean, I also have to vote for Coach of the Summer, Rookie of the Summer, and All Pro Team. I think. Oh I think God, those, Coach. I think. I think coach is a little bit more clear to me than MVP, but yeah, we'll see. I have, I have to get those in by Sunday. So that's uh, that's that's my plan. Well, listen, I'm sure that whether it's Caps or Gilius or anybody else, a lot of people will be celebrating because many of the MVP candidates have a lot of fans. Speaking of celebrations, Mad Lions had a lot of fun celebrations mm. this split. I think it's about time we rank those celebrations. What would we say, Emily? Uh, were the top three. We're going to go around the horn and order as best we can the top three victory celebrations for Mad Lions. They had quite a few, but three really stood out. Where do we start here? So do you want me to start from the bottom or from yeah, the top? Yeah, let's go bottom. Let's go so bottom So we're top. doing top three. So the the bottom one that we chose was the what, what I've been calling the Squirtle Squad because it became a meme on Twitter, but it was the sunglasses one where they're just kind of all posing. Um, I think this is this is pretty classic and kind of, I guess, set the tone for future victory celebrations to get even more ridiculous, but shows a lot of like the the charm and fun that Mad Lions have had have had with this. And it was just really cool to see. Um, I mean, it wasn't no, it wasn't just Mad Lions, right? Like we saw this from Rogue. We saw this a little bit from G2 during their like victory celebration spring finals. Um, it was cool to see how how Mad really embraced this in the pandemic and we're like, okay, we're going to have our own celebrations. We're going to communicate like this with fans. And it made them, I think really endearing and, and definitely sold themselves to fans in a way. And I think it started with Squirtle squad because basically people were just putting them aside with 
that picture of all the squirtles sitting there with their their arms crossed and the and the <laughs> sunglasses and they're all rolling up and yeah that's mad lions rolling up to take you out can I mm. can I just give a shout out to Carzy for doing the post match interview in the glasses as well? <laughs> yes, I thought that was did. a nice touch. Very well done. Uh, number two, <laughs> Jacob, give us number two. I believe number two on our list was the uh, was that Rock Band? Rock Band. It was, was Rock, rock band. band is number two. Yes, yeah. Rock Rock Band was our no number two. I remember this one. This is great. Like I I enjoyed the fact that you're about to see here on video in the clip that we had that they like start like basically like pulling out all the stops and and shadow is probably my favorite part of this entire one because he's just like yeah you know, he... i missed this one actually you see <laughs> that's good you see a rome a rome's holding a rome's holding an amp shadow, why is he shadow. holding the amp <laughs> yeah 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 there you go this is, this is fantastic i absolutely love this one humanoids like rocking shadow, out on the guitar the best part Wait, Wait a minute. Was, he, was he just holding a glass? Was he just doing the? He just picks yeah. up a glass from there. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> just for no reason, he's got. I. This is my instrument. Okay. Yeah, <laughs> yeah he just like he's, he just like doesn't know what to do. It's, uh, same thing with Kaiser. Kaiser's just like. Like Kaiser's like they're the trying fan, their best. Oh my yeah, gosh, that Kaiser, is the worst Kaiser's headbang like the, I've ever seen. All, they're obviously not an actual band. <laughs> oh my lord. Did you see that? That was the worst headbanging I've ever seen. Come on. Come on, Kaiser. Get, get your Kaiser. Head again. <laughs> look, I love the celebration, but please, or I mean it's like it's like the head there's no head movement in the headbang. It is the it's the He's <laughs> trying. That that is the mark of somebody who has not been to a single heavy metal concert in his life. Let's be real. Good A for effort, though. A for effort. Uh, I flamed them too hard on that. I, I'm going to scale it back. I apologize, Kaiser. I, I I don't feel like you deserve that much flame for your heavy metal. You do you. I, my apologies. Uh, number one, Tyler. Number one's obvious. I mean, Ardo, what do kids love the most? They don't like Fortnite. They don't like, you know... Chuck E. Cheese, they like fishing, Arda. And that's why it's number <laughs> one pick. But kids love fishing, and this is a classic traditional sports uh, celebration that you've seen in soccer. Some of the Europeans out there will flame me for not saying football. But this is a classic. It's a classic. Reeling them in, playing it, then you do the prize photo. Look at that strength. Look at that core strength from those players. I mean, I think, I think Shadow weighs... I think Shadow probably weighs like 100 pounds, but nonetheless. Yeah, like, it's easy for God give him credit. God give him credit. My favorite, my favorite is the flopping. I think the flopping yeah. was oh, great. He, so he, he definitely so did the flop well. So when all these Twitter trolls go, oh, esports players don't know how to do anything physical, show them that video. Look at that core strength. Look at the physical capabilities that those players had to live with their teammate in that crucial moment. I mean, honestly, a roommate holding the amp is awesome. <laughs> it's hilarious. Yes, it's hilarious. Can I just say that the method, except for, no, no, Karzi, actually, all three of them use their backs to lift. And that is like, as someone who enjoys deadlifts, that makes that makes me like really really sad because I'm like no you're gonna hurt your back don't do that why uh, but yes the flopping was excellent that, like even the hands getting it oh that was w very well done very well done I appreciated it this uh, these these are a good time the, like definitely was part of the way to make the LEC broadcast more interesting was player cams and like celebration cams so the the rogue one was good too when they qualified for worlds uh, this yeah. past weekend. And because, you know, you could just all tell they were like super excited. Big moment for them. So, yeah, I'm all about it.
Well, naturally, it was a big moment. Of course, Rogue is the first team in the entire world to qualify Ooh. for Worlds, which will be in the Shanghai <sighs> bubble uh, for a month starting in late September. So let's ask the question. This is quite the roller coaster ride for Rogue, Tyler, and you have been beating this drum, rightfully so. This is your time to gloat now. How did Rogue go uh-huh. from 10th in spring 2019 to first in summer 2020? It's a beautiful story, Arda. At the start of this year, I made some predictions, bold predictions about esports. All of them are pretty much wrong because of COVID. They kind of ruined all my predictions. But Rogue Twitter came to me and Rogue Twitter said, Give me a bull prediction, Tyler. Give me a bull prediction. And I said, Rogue, you're going to Worlds 2020. And I came through on my promise. I got Rogue to Worlds with my prediction. I'm not taking full credit. I'm not saying that my inspiration really brought them to the World Championship. Obviously, Larson did some of the work. Finn had a great series. Yeah, Vander, I know, he took over after my leadership, but he did a great job. Like, Rogue, really good job. Really solid core. I'm just really thankful to, you know, kind of lead a team to the World Championships from my home in Los Angeles. I feel very tied to the team. I might not be in the Shanghai Bubble Hotel, but my heart will be there, Arda. And when they play TSM inevitably in the group stage, because it's going to happen. There's you, no you, way. Yeah, there's no way what, what happens when they play when a they North play America NA team? Teams, specifically Ooh. TSM for the memes. Oh, absolutely. And by the My way, Tyler, home. there's still there's still a chance for you to go to Worlds. Your passport is up to date, so you're fine. <laughs> I mean, I mean, the, I mean, visas visas were hard in 2017, Arda. Visas are very hard in 2020. If we're there, if we're not, I'm still gonna be rooting for Rogue. I think they're a really fun team. I always like to see a team that was organically grown. Like when I look at the model, what Rogue did is what I want NA to consume. And we see it with Cloud Nine, very similar to Cloud Nine. We I think we're seeing it with 100 Thieves too, where they're bringing up a lot of young players. Very similar to Rogue, where you got your own talents, you got your Fins, you got your your Larsons, your Inspired. Well, they got that veteran presence in Vander, which I love. I love a veteran presence who's been to a World semifinal before, who's gone deep at Worlds, anchoring the squad. Because I don't like, I like Mad Lions a lot. I think Mad Lions are very exciting. They're more exciting than Rogue. But when I'm going to the World Championship, I like to have that experienced anchor player that knows what it means to be there and how to get through the group stage. Vander knows how to get the group stage, get get through the group stage. And I think he's going to be a very valuable presence. Not a lot of people are going to bring up because having that veteran presence who's gone so far at Worlds is going to aid a team like Rogue, who's going to be in a very new world when they go to the Shanghai bubble. Vander is going to keep their heads clear. And I think that's why the, one of the reasons why I think they, they could make top eight. I think this is a team that can make top eight, maybe make a Cinderella run to the top four, which sounds silly because they're the number one seed and they're, you know, they're the best, but the best in the regular season, but I think a top four finish for Rogue would be amazing. I think top four for them is the goal. Anything other than that would be a, not a miracle, but it would be icing on the cake. Well, you mentioned, Tyler, that not all your predictions were correct. And let's be honest, not all of our predictions <sighs> were correct. Everybody here got some predictions wrong, okay? I may have been so, so, so right about Schalke, but even I got some predictions wrong, and even Jacob Wolf got some predictions wrong. Uh, look no further than this clip from the start of the season. Everyone has put together their top three teams to look out for uh, in the LEC in 2020. I'm assuming everyone knows who number one is, uh, but we'll start in Bristol here. Jacob, when you look at your top three teams in the LEC in 2020, who you got? 
I mean, we've talked about Fnatic at length here as well, but really the one we haven't talked about with Frostgander here on the show is Origin. And I think that Origin is the one team that made really hefty investments. You know, we saw the side of like Mad Lions, Vitality, and Misfits of like, oh, we'll wait them out. We'll wait and see how, uh, how G2 falls apart one day eventually. Hopefully, fingers crossed. Uh, but Origin did the opposite. Let's go invest, right? And they invested. They re uh, recruited Xerse from Splice, now Mad Lions. Uh, who was one of the best junglers in the league last year. They recruited Upset from Schalke Nolfier, who obviously Upset's very highly touted as well, young player, but has also had a lot of good showing. Uh, and the really interesting one is Destiny, the support from Oceania, bringing him in. You know, they were evaluating sort of what were our options here, and there weren't a ton in the support role this offseason with Miffy retiring and with Vander being signed up to a, another contract with Rogue very quickly. Uh, Destiny actually was attending Worlds and got recruited by this team because people actually really enjoyed talking to him and playing with him during his time in Europe for Worlds. Origin, I think, is a team that can compete with the best of them. I'm very curious how they will stack up against someone like G2 and Fnatic, and I give them a little bit more credit maybe than the rest of our panel does here. Uh, can we first focus on uh, the fresh fade there for Jacob Wolf? Beautiful, man. Very well done. Mm. Looks good. My my uh my girlfriend did her best effort in the middle of these quarantine times and actually looked pretty good a few weeks ago too. And I'm gonna I need a I need a cleanup here, but uh nonetheless, yeah, that was uh that was in January before we all uh, ended up like reclusing in our houses, mine in uh, my apartment in New York. But nonetheless, uh yeah. Feels bad. Origin is definitely definitely not had the year yeah. I think anyone would have thought for them. Um, and, you know, ended out with the Jack Troll signing and, uh, everything that's going on with the Astralis group. And now the team that everybody thought was going to do relatively well is one of the worst in, in the LEC. So I, I, I don't even know what to say. I'm disappointed. I thought that this was going to be a good season for them. I thought they were really back, uh, in a way that they, they had not been, and, you know, they were fine in 2019, but I was really excited for everything they were doing. Um, and uh, now, now I just lay here disappointed. I think from now <laughs> on, we just like say things both ways, and then bring those clips back up. Like Origin is going to be That's awesome. Terrible. Origin is going to suck, and then we just pick the one that was correct and play. No, it. I feel like I feel like <laughs> as an analyst, I don't know. Like people like to dunk uh, everyone for being wrong, but like I feel like as an analyst, like I'm wrong all the time. Like you can't be afraid to make predictions because like Twitter is going to yell at you. Yeah. Anyway, yeah, of course. My, of course. my hot take is that last year's origin was better than this year's origin. Um, Ooh, and I, I really miss, like, I guess I miss how cohesive uh, of a play style and of an early game that they had. And it, and you know, if you remember um, origin, also uh had had kind of a similar uh trajectory uh that year where they um did not make summer playoffs made regional finals based on their uh championship points which changed this year obviously if anyone's confused about uh championship points in lec by the way it's a lot different this year um and then did not make it past the first round of uh, the regional qualifier. Um, but I really loved that that origin even more than this lineup. And I was really high on this origin lineup at the beginning. Like I was I was just as high as Jacob was on them, um, especially with the with the Xerxes pickup um, and, and with how like good Alfari is uh, because he's just like an insane player. Um, and it's really sad to see how 
poorly they performed. Yeah, I mean, do you want to talk about MVP level candidates? Like, if if Origin was a better team, Alfari would be a, a shoe in, right? Like, he he is like inarguably the best top liner in all of the LEC. He had a fantastic season, but the team around him was garbage. And and I can look no further than pointing to Nuke Duck and Destiny before that. Uh, I know I've railed on them before, but like, what a lackluster season for Nuke Duck. And and even from Zersei, like I expected so much more out of him. He was like, if you remember, we were putting together lists last year. For like, and I remember sitting in a hotel with Arda and going through all these, like, who are like the top free agents that we want to look for to be signed? Like, what is like tier one level news if it breaks tomorrow on the show and uh, before the free agency show? And like, Xersei was on that list. He was in the top five for Europe, right? Like, it was like Xmithy in, in North America, him in, in uh, Europe, and like, everybody was super high on him after last season. Like, he had a fairly good Worlds too, even though Splice didn't make it very far. And like, yeah, he just like kind of fell off the face of the map. I wouldn't say he was necessarily bad, but he he definitely did not meet expectations, in my opinion. So like, his origin team needs to go back to the drawing board, and I would I would get a new support and a new midliner first first among them. But like, or I would just encourage uh, Alfari to go somewhere else because his talent deserves better at this point. Please give Alfari a good home because oh yeah, he's a free agent, so he doesn't have, have to stay. Yeah. And Please. also like, I don't think Origin has the money to. Like, there's going to be a bidding war for him. He's the best-performing Western top laner. He can't really wreck that anymore since he's not going to Worlds. I mean, if you're a top team with some money, like, I don't know if Origin can get into a bidding war right now with their certain situation, so. Yeah, yeah I mean, that is that actually is one thing I'd like to ask you, Jacob, just because you know a little bit more about the situation than maybe I do, is, like, how much do you think the internal stuff with the Astralis group affected the because like obviously i can point to reasons why like origin struggled in terms of gameplay um but how much do you think that affected the team internally i don't know how much it affected performance in the players as much as it affected uh well okay so it affected something so like i don't think they would have gone with jack troll if they had money to go spend big time i think they went with jack troll because he was free vitality just let him go Right. Like they they acquired him for Vitality and Vitality, like uncharacteristically said, OK, you can have him. He's literally doing nothing here. Like he wasn't playing. He wasn't playing LFL for them. He wasn't playing LEC. So they just let him go because like he had the opportunity to go play on a team. But yeah, like I I, I think that that was the biggest, biggest thing that stood out to me. But yeah, like they cut every, they cut salaries. Mar like in some cases by like 33% because of the pandemic. Like it was a, a terrible mess that was going on with the Astralis group. It, we've seen it, how it affected the Astralis players on, uh, on in Counter-Strike, but I like opened up very quickly the uh, recognized contract database and yeah, Alfari, Alfari and Xersei both come up this year uh, mm -hmm. as a Jack troll. Um, Nuke Duck and Upset remain contracted through next season uh, as does Destiny. And yeah, I, I can't imagine like there's not a world where we were we're all prepping in mid-November for our next show and uh, or for our free agency show and like Alfari is not number one on that list, right? Like unless he signs an extension beforehand from now to then, like he yeah, both of those guys, Cersei and Alfari, should definitely, uh, definitely, definitely, definitely uh, end up somewhere better. Um, and I and I don't know how much Origin's going to be willing to pony up for him. You're watching the Rift Rewind, our ESPN weekly 
League of Legends program. Thank you for watching us on Twitch, the ESPN app on YouTube, and on Twitter as well, or listening to us in podcast form. Let's transition to the LCS. Here's a little trivia before the trivia, uh, which uh, precedes this program, by the way, and you can join us if you watch us on Twitch. True or false, Team Dignitas, with a record of 5-13, and 13, or 6-13 and 13, if you include the tiebreaker, have the absolute positively worst record to for a team to make the playoffs in major league of legends league history true that is correct because there's eight teams now and it's the first time we've had eight teams in the playoff and it's a sticky situation where a team that went six and 13 could win three best of fives in a row and make worlds how exciting yeah. The previous low was Team Coast at 10 and 18. Don't laugh at Team Coast, Emily. Team Coast has storied tradition. Team Coast's storied tradition was not great. They were in the first LCS final, Emily, is Good Game University. I'm talking about behind the scenes. Don't besmirch GGU with Jintae and Zion Spartan. Hey, I love Darshan. And don't mash me. Also, by the way, that Team Coast team lost to Dignitas in the fifth place match. <laughs> so there's oh, a little bit of continuity. Yeah, continuity for and you. And then, uh, yeah, and then Dig- Dignitas, okay. uh, Dignitas stole their players when they were relegated. So there you go. There's some I, trivia for you. Yes. Wow. <laughs> I very quickly want to mention how absolutely ludicrous it is. And I understand that there are no spring split points in the LCS and there are eight teams that qualify for the summer split and the top three teams will make worlds. But can we just talk for a second about how if Dignitas were to go on a hot streak and suddenly they win Mm -hmm. three series, a five or six and 13 team would be going to worlds. So yeah, that is that is actually the major issue because I feel like we always have this discussion with world's qualification and how BS it is across multiple regions and how much spring split should count as opposed to summer split. And obviously the reason why Dignitas are five and thirteen and still in playoffs is because playoffs are eight teams and it's to qualify all three teams to uh to worlds from NA, right? And, you know, I I talked about Europe and how people were really confused at the seeding in playoffs because they were drawing on spring points, despite the fact that um, if you had like spring points, but didn't have any summer points, you were not in like, for example, Origin had spring points, but they're not in playoffs, so they can't qualify for Worlds because they changed the thing. I still say abolish spring split completely. (laughs) <laughs> yes, like, abolish is, spring sports. Yeah, like this is, uh, and obviously that there's so many sticking points with that now in a pandemic. Because ideally, I would love to have international circuits where teams are just traveling and playing against each other. That's also not going to happen because the LPL is massive and yes. lucrative. Um, <laughs> but, but like, so you're not going to say like, "Hey, LPL teams, why don't you forgo having this this money and all this attention?" and awesome ecosystem and and play against you know na teams um but i think the 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 big thing here is like it's always the question of what do we do with spring split because it is insane that the 5 and 13 team would make a playoff bracket you know like i think it's it's just really frustrating cuz 
Because previously when we had issues with teams qualifying on championship points from spring, like I remember when 100 Thieves qualified in 2018 and people were like, why are they here? They sucked in summer. We don't want them here. They're going to be terrible. Um, and, and they were really, really harsh. Like the community was insanely harsh on that team. Same thing happened with CLG in, in 2016, I believe, despite um, despite the fact that they were like the miracle team at MSI. Everyone forgot that after their summer, despite the fact that I think they did end up still coming in third. Um, and qualify on championship points, and people are like, "Well, spring, spring matters too much." The mo- the biggest one is Najin uh, Black Sword when they qualified over KT Rolster Bullets, which is something I'm still bitter about as a KT fan. So I think it's always this like super push pull between what do we even do with spring if Worlds is our end all be all event, and it also doesn't help that this year we didn't have an MSI because of the pandemic. We had MSC, which was great and and fun and interesting and sometimes hilarious because it was played on like 30, 40 ping. Um, but, you know, that doesn't count as like a major international event, despite the fact that I do think the Chinese teams and the South Korean teams took it really seriously. So I think Riot is still trying to figure out, like, because they always want Worlds to be this end-all, be-all, this is our event. This is our international. It matters so much. And if you if you talk to even South Korean and Chinese teams, they'll say like, yes, we won LPL, but we need to win Worlds. Um when, you know, theoretically, you could make the argument that winning in their regions is actually some sometimes more prestigious, especially in the past. I think this is an issue, right? Because then we end up with something like this, where it's like Dignitas has a 5-13 and 13 record in summer, but they're getting weighted heavily because, because summer matters, and summer is the only thing that matters. I mean, I, look... Everything you said makes perfect sense, Emily. Everything you said is absolutely logical. I still can't get over the fact that this is happening. I think it's ludicrous. I think it's silly. I think it looks bad on the league because you have a team that would never make a postseason in any other circumstance, in any other level of competition with a record like that. Mm -hmm. It just looks awful. I mean, uh, didn't the NHL just have a 2014 playoff where the Montreal Canadiens... <laughs> not with teams... And... Yeah, but not with teams with such a bad losing record and, like, what is it, like, 30% win rate or whatever is whatever it is. It's bad, man. This is... Yeah, I mean, I 80% it. Look, versus I 24 out of 31 but, teams, but, so it's but, a little But here's bit the difference, worse. though. The difference, though, is that this was going to be the format regardless of the pandemic. Yeah. Right. The LCS was going to be like this no matter what. The NHL had to adjust because of the pandemic. I mean, this just looks absolutely bush league. It's terrible. This has. I look. I don't Mm. know if it's going to change next season, but I believe that it has to change. This is silly. It's a situation where. In a world where Dignitas reels off three straight victories to make worlds. It would be an exciting story. Like, like it would be like a Schalke-like story, right? Or it's the underdogs, you know, woo, the underdogs did it. But also, when Schalke made their miracle run, they still have, you know, to win a few best of fives after the miracle run, you know, to get to the World Championship. Where Dignitas, if they just hit the right jackpot three times in a row, and it's possible, North America, there's no certainties in North America. Yeah. There's a definite possibility TSM 
you know, Bjergsen wakes up on the wrong side of the bed one day and TSM just looks like trash and they lose to Dittos and it's hoopla everywhere. Like, NA has good teams. I don't think there's any great teams currently in NA. I thought C9 was a great team. I think they've taken a step back. I think not going to MSI, I think being in this stagnant environment that is LCS has kind of held them back. And it, it, it's just a really weird situation where, for me personally, if I'm someone who, who wants NA to succeed at Worlds, I would still send the I would still send TL, uh, uh, Cloud9, and then just flip a coin. I don't care what the third team is. TSM, Yeah, EG, would you Flyquest. include Dignitas in that flipping of the coin? No. No, no here's the thing. No, because the third place team is ha- has to go through the qualifier round, and I don't think I don't know if Dignitas could beat the wildcard regions. I think TSM. I think a FlyQuest. I think the EG of some w- could make it through. I think Dignitas would have a chance of like uh, going crazy through the NA playoffs and then getting three would by a Turkish team. Unbelievable. Well, one team that definitely would earn their place at Worlds is Team Liquid. In fact under the leadership of Jat, under Core JJ and Tactical at AD Carry. Uh, the team performed very, very well. They, in fact, had their best split record in team history, believe it or not, despite winning four straight splits previous to this season. Emily had a chance to speak with Broxa this past weekend. The full interviews at youtube.com slash ESPN Esports. Here's a clip now. I interviewed you before the split even started. And one of the things you said was that you really want to work on like early game proactivity uh, because it's a, it's a weakness. A lot of NA teams have just generally, right? Like if you can be super early proactive, it'll actually give you a leg up against a lot of teams. Uh, if you can close out the game, um, how, how would you rate that now having gone through a season with TL and having described their play style, like you just said. So that, that's a really interesting question, actually, because that's something <laughs> that has gone through my mind almost weekly, the split, honestly. After every weekend uh, of LCS, I would think to myself, how proactive were we in the early game? How proactive were we as a team? And am I happy with am I happy with how proactive we've been? And for, for a decent part of the split, I wasn't really super satisfied with our proactivity and my own proactivity. And uh, I mean, to, to go back to the previous question, if you characterize our team right now, that old LCK, LCK style definitely is how I would characterize our team. Mm-hmm. Um, and I am pretty happy with that to an extent. But at the same time, I also feel like if we look back at the past weeks, we have started playing a little bit more proactive. We have started finding more ganks, more opportunities, started having more control around the early objectives like Drake and Herald. And, we're not giving the opposing team as much room to play anymore. Um, perhaps sometimes we are still giving them way, way too many chances to, to get a lead or to stay in the game, but we're trying to be a bit more proactive. And while I'm, I'm happy with, with our growth and all, I, I feel like in that regard, we definitely still have a bit of work to do. So as I mentioned, that full interview is available at youtube.com slash ESPN Esports. I'm sure that some of Brox's teammates may or may not be considered uh, for MVP of the sp- split in the LCS, of course, uh, which leads us to, as we talked about in the LEC, we also have a vote for the LCS, and that would be Tyler Erzberger, who is the key holder to that. So, Tyler, officially, completely 100%, tell us who you're voting for. 
I cannot do that, Arda, as Riot Games, as I've been doing this for the last five years, six years, I think. I did it for the Score Esports back in like 2015, too. I've done wow. LCS voting for a very long time. Uh, they, they've they told me time and time again never to reveal who I'm picking on an official show or source. So I leave it to chat. I leave it to Emily. I leave it to Jacob. I leave it to you, Arda. Please sway me. I am open. LCS is not good enough where there's one key player that's just prevailing through everyone else. I'm open to all options. I have not selected who I want to be my MVP or ESPN's MVP just yet. Please sway me. I am very open to suggestions. Just make sure, I mean, John Sun might be a good choice. Try to sway me. I mean, John, I, I'm a John Sun fan. He did have a great season, Arna. I mean, I might have been one season too early, but no, but for, can, for real, can I though. Just, here, l let's start. You know what Chad has already said here? Najah fan, he's voting for Faker. Already uh, in the I, chat, immediately. That, I mean, I would probably get my voting uh, privileges revoked. That would not be fun. But I, I do think there's a lot of options here. Obviously, Cloud9, Team Liquid, TSM, EG, FlyQuest, it's kind of a bunch up in front. I think coming in the split, we were thinking it had to be a Cloud9 member just because how dominant they were, how dominant they looked at the start of the season. But I think with them falling back, it can't be a C9 member, especially since... I mean, I don't think you can pick one clear member of that team right now that's performing above all others, even if you thought they were, you know, worthy of the award. So please give me your best shot. Tell me who should be the LCS MVP for 2020 summer season. Emily, start start us off. So my pick is actually a Team Liquid member, and it's mm. Core JJ. Um, mm. I think that, uh, I mean, I think that Tacticals perform really well, and I'm not trying to take anything away from him whatsoever. But I also think that part of it has been the fact that he has had um, a veteran support who is incredibly intelligent, incredibly mechanically talented, and a huge part of Team Liquid's overall like voice and shot calling. Um, and having someone like that in your lane, regardless if, uh, of if he's going like if he's in the 2v2 or if he's going to roam up to mid um i think core is such an essential part of this team when i picked caps for lec i mentioned how he's been kind of the backbone of the team right i think a lot of things uh, a lot of reasons why people don't necessarily believe in tl has been some of their wins have come off some you know some shaky shaky performances last minute like individual outplays that kind of thing and not only is core like stable raising a young AD carry but he's also been a part of some of those highlight plays uh i think most specifically people would point to the blitz hook uh in in the river uh i forget who it was against it was like just a few weeks ago um i want to say immortals but that might be wrong uh anyway like i i think there's a a huge case for core not only due to how much he means for the team and how much stability he provides and how he has helped raise uh, tactical who's turning out to be a really strong AD carry. Um, but he also has the individual highlights. He has the hands and, you know, like to have a player that has both has meant so much to TL over the season and has, um, I think, you know, in some cases you could make the case that they would not have won if it hadn't been for a very specific play that he executed uh, so that's why I'm giving it to Core. I do like Mr. Core JJ. I do like him. I do. I do quite like that. Videos are great. I recommend yeah, them. To great all. YouTuber. Uh, 
what beat IG. That was really cool. I was there live for that. That was a fun experience. I don't remember the. Final I'm sure that, that IG win is going to be factoring into your summer sprint I'm just MVP saying, Arda, I have fond memories yeah, of Mr. Core JJ. <laughs> Jacob, Jacob give got. me your best. Give me your best option here. I mean, Core JJ would be my pick. Also, but if I had to make the case for someone else who was not him, it would have to be Bjergsen. I actually think that Bjergsen has had a really good, particularly second half of this split um, in particular. Like, I had my questions about TSM, particularly after the spring, uh, letting us all down a little bit. Um, but for me, like, yeah, I, I've been really happy with his performance. He, he definitely, their play style is very much oriented to same old, same old TSM, literally team solo mid, play around Bjergsen, give him all the gold and let him pop off on people. Like, that's the that's the TSM of old and currently the TSM of current. So, yeah, and, and he's at the heart of that, right? Like, he is, he's been consistently one of the best mid laners for a long time. I think that he has had a solid uh solid summer split um so like i said would not be my vote i would vote core because i think core has had a fantastic uh summer and has really been the difference maker for liquid but i think that bjergsen deserves a nod at least as well i wouldn't be surprised if he gets some votes again i like mr bjergsen i like his beard and well no more beard but he uh, had a good beard uh but he's won four times just like core j these are these are old hats these are these this is not the sexy narrative that the writer wants to write about, right? Like, oh, Bjergsen won his fifth MVP. Corwin was Arda, Arda. You, you got me. You're, you're the, you're a narrative guy like me. You like the big stories. You like the pro wrestling storylines. Give me someone who hasn't won MVP before. Give me someone I could think about maybe giving their first award to in that kind of story. Well, I'm going to go back to something that was said earlier by a very wise man who said. Can you help my Turkish brother out? <laughs> I knew this is coming. And while many people might not select him to be the LCS MVP for Summer Split, if you're looking for a good narrative, ladies and gentlemen, and if you're looking for somebody who hasn't won LCS MVP before, look no further than my boy on Golden Guardians, Mr. John Chelik, closer himself. Now, why would I pick someone like that when I also have Niski available? Uh, you know, why would I do that? The reason is because Closer is definitely an unleashed player in this split. The Closer of Spring Split is so different. A full 180 was had when changes were made on this roster to free Closer, Tyler. He has been unshackled. He is more aggressive. He is synergizing with his teammates. He looks like a jungler possessed on the LCS Rift and helping Golden Guardians cement themselves in a playoff position. So what I would say is, we don't have to look at the statistics, Tyler, okay? Numbers are for nerds. We don't need to worry about anything as it pertains to KDA. We don't got to worry about gold differential. None of that matters. What matters is who is important to their team. Who would look at someone and say, this person right here is a massive reason why this team made it to the postseason and if you're looking at golden guardians which you really should be tyler you have to at least consider the turkish brethren of closer that's that's a good argument Art. i actually I, I think closer has been unlocked with demonte demonte has kind of played that style is unlocking he's kind of playing support of the jungler my only my only contradiction to that would be that 
I do think that it's a tandem of, of closer and FBI. I think FBI is sneakily a top three or maybe even the best AD carry currently in North America. Ooh. He's done so much for Golden Guardians where I think FBI and closer are kind of very under the radar candidates for be you know, all pro or, you know, a third place MVP. I think those two players especially have kind of raised the bar when it comes to Golden Guardians. And I, I think closer uh-huh. gets a lot of credit and deservedly so. He is a very exciting player. He's been uh, this, you know, hard carry jungler since back in Turkey where, you know, he was scouted last year at the World Championships where he was wrecking people in the qualifying rounds. But FBI, he's quiet, doesn't make a lot of noise, but when he comes and knocking and busts through that door just like the FBI of, you know, United States of America, he makes a difference. He makes an impact. And he has played really incredible this split. So... Uh, closer definitely should be considered on, you know, uh-huh. maybe a short list of 10 players or so. But I think FBI kind of, uh, okay. he minimizes Closer's chance of being MVP. Corollary to my hypoth or to my uh, vi- uh, verbal essay here. How about you go against the grain, mm-hmm. take the road less traveled here, Tyler, idea for you. For the first time ever, you do a dual MVP candidate bid. Of mm. FBI and Closer, submit it. Mm. Chris Greeley looks at it mm. and says, "You know what, Erzberger? I <laughs> like the out. cut of your jib." Oh uh, yeah. And then we have a co MVP situation. There would be a cutting of source, but it would be my cutting of my privileges of voting ever again <laughs> in the LCS. Yeah, I, I was going to say. I think they would just be like, "Yeah, you're trying." Yeah. They they would they would be like, "Yeah." We, we don't need ESPN that much. Uh, Greeley would love it. Greeley would love it. But right. I think it's tough. I think it is a very open race, very similar to Europe, where there's a lot of very good players, a lot of very good seasons. I don't think – like, I think if you look at the LCK right now, you look at Showmaker, what Showmaker's doing in the LCK, and you're like, he is playing out of his damn mind. He is playing some of the best League of Legends we've ever seen in the mid lane. He is having an incredibly, incredible season. I mean – he is a monster. And I don't think anyone in the West, in either LEC or LCS, has had a season where they've just been so far ahead of everyone else. Where in LCK, Showmaker, for me, is an easy pick. I think for LCS and LEC, there's a lot of very good uh, resumes. I don't think there's one right now that just stands above everyone else. So it's going to be a very tough decision when I make these choices later tonight. I think a lot of people would agree, if we're going from best to worst, transitioning to our final topic here on Rift Rewind... That perhaps, probably, many people would say definitely, uh, the worst team in the West, that honor is bestowed upon Mm. CLG. The once mighty Uh. CLG, might I add. Uh, Many of you have fond memories of CounterLogic Gaming and their several championships and their glory days. Mm-hmm. And one would say that CLG was partly responsible for bringing fans into League of Legends in the first place with their big rivalries of yesteryear. But now we fast forward to 2020 and we see the unfortunate futility of this team. And we see the news, Jacob, of staff being let go, Song and Weldon being relieved of their duties. And then we just have to stare and wonder what on earth has happened to the once mighty counter logic gaming. I just want to say, I want to be very, very direct uh, here. 
I feel sorry for Song, uh, being employed in the unemployed in the middle of the pandemic. And I am one to very infrequently cheer for someone to be fired. But I am so damn happy that Weldon Green is the hell out of CLG. I have never encountered... Well, okay. I've encountered a lot of people in my time in esports, many of them who are very fake. Weldon Green is among them. Um, and wow. I say this in the sense that when Weldon Green first got a job at Copenhagen Wolves, the headline of his AMA, self-promoted AMA on the R League of Legends subreddit, is AMA with a sports psychologist. Weldon Green is not a sports psychologist, and for the longest time at the beginning of his career called himself such and was lying. Weldon Green has a two-years master's degree in sports psychology. He is not a sports psychologist, and he is the epitome of teams in esports not taking mental health seriously and instead hiring hags who instead like to preach that they understand esports mental health and then don't know anything about it. That's my that's my rant. And I literally like, have tea in here. Um like here's the thing. I like I feel for the guy because he said he like moved to family of six to LA. I understand the human part of that, but the dude has profited for long enough off of BS that I don't feel for him at the same time. Because literally, since I encountered him from the very beginning, this dude was fake as hell. And I remember him sharing an article of mine in 2016 saying, oh, I'm not actually a psychologist when we said that he was one. And then I go, well, what are you then? You told everyone you were a psychologist until people actually started taking note of that because it's illegal to call yourself a doctor when you're not a doctor. So, like... I, I don't know what to say. The dude's like a total like hack and I'm cool. I'm glad that he's out of CLG. I remember like being very vocal about when he got hired in the first place. I hope that he doesn't get a team, uh, another job with the team. And at this point, like seriously, like he's the epitome of the snake oil salesman. And I'm glad he's gone. Like this, he is the, like, why is this guy on, on stage with draft? He doesn't know things about mental health. What do you think he knows about league of legends? Why was he on stage with saga draft? Put an analyst up there. Like, I have, I have so many thoughts, but, like, it starts with him. I'm glad changes are being made. Get well, I'm glad Weldon's the hell out of CLG. Maybe things can get better after here. I know the team is generally mismanaged across the board. It's not just a problem with him, but he has definitely been a huge issue for, for some time now. So really quick, I just want to mention that there were a lot— I've done events with CLG in the past. There were a lot of people behind the scenes that I genuinely like— some of them were affected by the MSG cuts that recently happened. They let go 15% of their uh, workforce, uh, much of that due to COVID-related reasons. And I feel for them because a lot of my friends lost their jobs. And, you know, that's definitely an unfortunate situation. With that said, uh, Emily, there is no denying the fact that this brand has taken a massive hit in esports in the last several years. And... Mm -hmm you only have to look at it and say this is very unfortunate and you got to wonder what where the path to recovery begins yeah i mean for me i feel really badly for the players um especially since like i think the the most frustrating thing for me is that i don't actually think that CLG is like quote unquote that bad in the context of NA in terms of like their actual roster of talent. Um, and I also think you saw a lot of like confusion from the team in subbing out pole belter in the last week, who was their best performing player. Um, and also, and also Wiggly to bring in uh, Frogus and Tuesday. 
And that to me was also really frustrating uh, for, for Frogus and Tuesday, because that's a, first of all, a, that's a kind of a terrible position for, for both of them to be put in when you have people already commenting, why are you taking Povelter out? He's very visibly the best performer on this team right now. But then additionally, Tuesday has been with CLG for so long and he has never been given a chance to be part of the LCS lineup until now. Um, so for me, as someone who who actually like does care about any talent growth and trying to figure out why teams aren't investing in their academy talent and their amateur talent, um, and, and part of the reason is because it's a lot of work, uh, a lot more work if you're coming off of NA ladder than like LCK or LPL ladder, but like or or EU ladder. Uh, but like I think the the most frustrating thing for me is like how they manage their their final two weeks, right? Like that or their final few weeks. Cause that was it just puts like new players in a position where North American teams aren't necessarily willing to take a chance on young talent anyway, and putting them in a situation where they're like most likely going to fail, especially with everything else that's been going on with the team this year. And it just to me, it just stinks that Tuesday's been with this roster for so long, and this is the the chance he gets to to prove himself before the team ends up getting kicked out of playoff playoff contention or like world's qualification, basically. Like that, the the disorganization to me was the most frustrating thing to see. So I just feel really bad for the players. Everything must fall, Arda. Everything must fall. I don't usually use this option when I'm talking about rebuilding a team or restructuring a team, but you need to press the big red button and just blow everything. I'm not blow everything out. I'm not even talking about the roster. Clear out the entire roster. Clear out everything. Clear out everything when it comes to CLG. I'm talking about a rebrand. I'm not saying change the name CLG itself, but it needs something to a kick to it. It's been so bland and so vanilla for so many years it feels like nothing has changed even when they have those seasons where they make top three they got third place last summer they they have these seasons where they do quite well but it's just nothing feels different about them there's no bite there's no edge to them we can talk all day about 100 thieves and how they're not that great we can talk about how they need roster changes oh they picked this wrong mid laner they picked this wrong player here and there but 100 Thieves, they have an edge to them. They have We can talk about the apparel brand and all that all, all we want, but they're good at marketing the players. They're good at marketing their team. So even when 100 Thieves is doing poorly, they're still one of the more well-supported teams in the LCS. CLG just needs an entire rebound. It's very similar to the LCS in itself. It's stagnant. It, it's become stagnant, where even when they do well, unless it's a first-place finish, nothing's really going to change when it comes to their fandom and changing things around. People stayed with CLG when Double F left. Some people stayed after Afrimu left. Now, only the true, true faithful, the ones that have, will stay faithful to the end are still left on CLG. And it sucks because they were such a well-supported team for so long, even when they weren't winning championships. And now they're kind of a husk of what they were. And mm-hmm. it just needs to be torn down. And then I'm not saying, I think Pole Belter deserves a starting spot. I, deserve, I think Tuesday and Frogus deserve shots on other academy teams. But on CLG, it needs to be torn down from the ground down. Everything must change for CLG going to 2021. Or I would not be surprised if, you know, there's other organizations in North America that are doing quite well right now that if I'm Chris Greeley and I'm saying, hey, look at the Sentinel squad, what they're doing in Valorant. They are doing amazing right now. They are building such 
a great viewership with their kind of how they're branding their team, their style of their team. Why wouldn't we want Sentinels in the LCS over a team like CLG? If CLG is not going to change at all, you can't live on the past glory forever, Arda, Emily, Jacob. There's mm-hmm. only so many times I can see the, oh, remember when CLG made MSI Finals of 2016? Remember those great rivalry with TSM back in 2013, 2014? We can't live on nostalgia forever. And it's gone to the point where CLG needs to tear everything down and rebrand and look different and feel different going to 2021. Or it's just a lost cause. And I would not be surprised if they are out of the LCS in the near future. Yeah, I nostalgia mean, I, only works if you have a foundation to build upon currently. Yeah, There's I mean, no foundation. Was, when they first applied for franchising in 2017, like there was a prevailing thought that they were not going to make it. I remember that. Like I remember reporting on that. Then the only reason they did is because they got acquired by MSG, and even that took a lot of convincing. Because like some of the people that work at CLG are incredibly stubborn. Like they like being like what they like. They hold on to the past. To Tyler's point about the nostalgia, and they don't want to let go. And it's just like. No, at some point you got to shift and like MSG is not the best of sports organizations to pair up with. It's actually kind of hilarious that that's where CLG ended up at. But uh, yeah, I, I agree. Like something's got to change because there's no reason to be a CLG fan right now. They don't they don't really perform in any game at this point. One of the first esports events I hosted after doing uh, Worlds uh, in 2016 with ESPN Esports was at Madison Square Garden in the hulu theater which is the smaller theater within madison square garden and it was a clg league of legends event and there were upwards of 400 people there just to watch them play some fun show matches and they had fans playing with them and it was such a great activation and that was really one of the things that made me truly believe that this is uh, something very interesting particularly in new york I just thought it was so cool that there was something happening in Madison Square Garden like this as a fan activation event, not just Worlds, but for a team. Well, that was their whole pitch was like, we're going to be like New York's team. And like, they just mm. haven't really done a good job. Yeah. Like, I've, I've been to some of those events and like, they're cool, but like, I, I, they really haven't done a good job at like making you feel like they're a part of New York. Mm. Certainly not in the same way that like Antbox has within my Yeah, team. no, and that's the thing. Yeah. And, we, we, we dunk on Overwatch League all the time. We, you know, we dunk on it regularly about how they've done wrong things and how the league has, you know, been cut off at the knees compared to similar years. But New York XL and, and the New York subliners in the Call of Duty League, they are very well branded. They are so far better branded than CLG, where if you ask anyone, I think even the most diehard CLG fan would be like, oh, they're owned by New York, by MSG. They're a New York, they're supposed to be a New York team. There's no branding that connects them to New York. And if you are going to stay in LCS, and if MSG is still going to try to make this work, I feel like a rebranding of trying to make them feel like New York's team is one of their best options left. Like They tried everything what they could with this mm-hmm. bland vanilla roster and this bland vanilla branding. But we can't live it on nostalgia anymore. Nostalgia has ended. You need to do something new. I just I just can't take any more of these, hey guys, CLG versus TSM next week. Are you excited? TSM was, has won 99% of the last five years of competition between CLG. <laughs> Maybe this time they'll do it. I'm just over it. I'm over it. No one cares. Are Cut it out. Excited? Even the answer is no. Like, so, so a greater thing that I guess we can end the show on yep. that is always my pet peeve, something I complain about constantly outside of organizations uh, in China 
And then to some extent, a few South Korean orgs, G2, TL, uh, and like a C9 is that, um, and, and, and box is one too, that does it really well. But like you need to find a way a hundred thieves actually as well. You need to find a way to market your esports team. That's not just winning. <laughs> like, like you really, really do. Quest. I know Jacob, uh, and I were chatting about this on Twitter regarding geolocation. Cause I don't necessarily think that tying a team to a location works either. I think Anbox has done it really, really well. Yes. Um, and they deserve credit for that. But I also don't think you necessarily need to have that and or it shouldn't be on any pitch decks going into this year because of the pandemic. Um, but like, I think that you need to find a way to market yourself other than winning. And actually, FlyQuest is a great example of that mm -hmm. because their marketing has been aces all year. Um, yes. Yes, another team that was very super bland. They were like, they, they were, were not this year, not this year. They did a great, great. Yes, I agree. Here's an idea. Let's end on this counter logic thieves clan. There you go. No, there's your rebrand. No, are you telling me just like, are you just like, CLTC? I'm not even sure what that is. You're implying that like phase clan is yeah like do, should we just give them to sentinels or phase clan like i mean that's an option <laughs> too just sell the team to Sentinels. send the sell the spot to phase or sentinels there's your rebrand anyhow that'll do it for us here on the rift rewind don't forget this show is every tuesday at 6 30 p.m eastern and following this show live on twitch is trivia night it is tyler centric trivia you think you know fion on fire oh, let's yeah. see how much of a hot streak you can go on answering cor correct questions or at least what twitter believes are the answers to questions about tyler can't so, lose arda if you're here on twitch stick around if you're watching us live on any other platform come to twitch if you're listening to us via podcast join us next week uh, but we will have trivia very soon. But here on Rift Rewind, thank you very much for joining us, and we'll catch you next week.